My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something or even a donation. Thanks for listening. As I am recording these episodes of the Beltana release, a little late, as I sensed the season also a little late, but I think as well, having got to the fourth batch release of the podcast, I was exploring and trying to see where next with the thoughts that I had already laid down. I was able to figure out how to get transcripts of them and read back over what I'd been talking about, just to see where it was leading me. And in this thread about our ancestors on the land in Ireland and all of my thoughts in relation to that, I've realised that what I've been exploring is what I currently believe based on my little pieces of history, both personal, ancestral history that I can try to explore through the stories that come down. And similarly, what I read or hear or experience of the ancestry that is here in Ireland. And I also try to connect to the land itself and to the messages that are there within the seasonality, within the expression of what happens at different times of year. And one of the things that I thought about when delaying the release past the 1st of May was that fixed points that are in calendars and then those more movable points if you're passing through seasons. So that in the solstice, at the standstill moments of winter solstice and coming up next summer solstice and similarly at equinoxes. Those are fixed points in a calendar. But the idea of when does summer begin or when might we celebrate that or when might we celebrate harvest, those are more seasonally variant. So in the end, I thought it was fine that I delayed this one. And At the same time, my reluctance to do so, I think, was based on that fixed Gregorian calendar that we use that uh, doesn't really move with the moon or doesn't move with the sun phases. It's just laid out in a linear numbers fashion that we work our way around and go all the way around again. So it felt kind of nice to just be more in touch with the exploration of the land 
and the ancestors and all of these episodes in this batch at a more feeling state that around me summer has begun, that the temperatures have finally come back up again and that I have that sense of celebration of May and blossom and all the things that come at this time of year. In exploring my ancestors, I've been creating my story, my interpretation of the roles, of the actions, of all of the history that I can encounter. And I came across a thought recently somewhere that said that what people believe is always a reflection of the way their world is arranged. And that really struck me because we live in a world that's arranged after 500 years or thereabouts of capitalism. And we're in the late stages of that. So trying to imagine a different way the world was arranged and the beliefs that were reflections of that is quite hard from our vantage point. And of course, it includes in the stories we tell ourselves a great deal of what I think you could call conjecture, personal preference or wishful thinking. But I do think it's worth going back through and imagining the different stories and who told them and how, if you came with a different lens, you might have different stories. One of the ones that I came across recently was in relation to the study of gender and, well, sex and gender in looking at Iron Age and then Celtic history. And it's it's really from a certain vantage point now from my vantage point it's uh from it's it's in the the territory of ridiculous and the reason being that because of the anthropologists because of the archaeologists being as always historians are their world is constructed if you think to some of the digs and some of the things going on in the early 1900s their world is constructed where there are very clear roles for women and men and a very binary worldview as well. And when they're excavating tombs, it turns out that when they come across things where they've got a skeleton, they begin to do an attempt to say this one is a male skeleton or this one is a female skeleton that they also then use the anthropological information of what they find around the skeleton to make those decisions. And one of the things that they did was say, well, this is a very wealthy, big skeleton, and uh, it's also been buried with weapons, therefore it's clearly a male. And of course, those things have been re visited in recent years, not significantly by, apparently not by many, but enough to indicate that there were tall, strong, weaponed uh, women in these burial chambers sometimes. And there were warrior women tomb complexes, in fact. Another kind of funny 
anthropological finding was the amount of drinking vessels that they found with a skeleton would horrify some 1930s archaeologists with the suggestion that women could have had alcoholic drinking vessels that were equivalent to ones that they found with other male skeletons in other parts of their explorations. And so you get this bias in all of us when we try to talk about our history or how we can see the world through this lens of how our world is arranged. And for these archaeologists, their world was arranged very clearly um, where women didn't have power and certainly weren't leaders or warriors or apparently not heavy drinkers. So if I am trying to imagine what beliefs were a reflection of my ancestral worlds, I can only go back to information that is there about variation in gender roles or social roles or even understanding of gender as something that might have been different than the world in which I live in. And there is a lot of knowledge about indigenous people around the world who had much more grey, much less binary worldviews and much more niches, really, for people to occupy and names and uh, groups of people who may be presented as a different gender than a binary male-female gender who might have had a, a specific role. And there's lots of examples of the kind of role of priests or guides or simply more normative ideas around being what a gender was and what variation and what different names there could be for all sorts of genders. And that variation of the different roles different genders could take on. So those warrior women in opulent burial sites were a different a world arrangement. And one of the things that that makes me think about is that if we're thinking about how the world is arranged, what that comes down to often is how resources are distributed or how resources are used in a culture. So that brings me down again to another layer of thinking about the producers, those that produced all the needs that a community needed to have together to survive in the landscapes that existed in the times that I'm trying to imagine in a pre-capitalist world, in a world where there is many resources being around people that can provide for food and shelter. And that also the skills that I've talked about before, the idea that all of those producers and makers were distributed across the whole community. So there was skills that everybody had. People knew how to do the basic things for survival. And it's a slow process, certainly, in the indigenous community in Ireland 
despite all the different waves of settlers until you come to waves of colonizers and invasions. There is the those earlier waves of settlers are also producers. They're they're still at the level of base production, being controlled, if you like, by the whole community. And what I was starting to think about in, for this episode is what is colonialism and when did it begin and how might it have changed our ancestors' beliefs and if that reflected the way their world was arranged. How did they come to this land and what happened with the sacredness or the respect for the old ways of earth-based knowledge and skills and traditions and cultures. And we have stories in our growing up that hint at change and a moment of change coming, like in the story of the children of Lear, for example, which is a story of a king and his beautiful children and his wife and when his tragedy strikes and his wife dies and a evil stepmother comes into the picture and she wants the children gone and wants them to be killed but instead their fate is to be turned into swans and they have to live as swans on different parts of Ireland in different lakes for 400 years or 500 years on this lake and then so on and that they will be released only from their embodiment of the swan at the ring of a Christian bell and the story is that when the Christians first came and built their church and they rang the bell that the swans stepped out of the lake as very old um, people who the children of Lear then were, and they died as humans. And so th- these kinds of stories of transformation and change, they make me really curious about what might that symbolism have been about, what is the change from what people often refer to as animism or paganism, the ideas of instead of one god under Christianity, many gods and many connections to different aspects of this reflection of of spirit or this reflection of sacredness. So you have a god of the river or god of the woods, but you might also have a specific spirit of of a specific tree or a specific plant or a specific animal. And that variation, that understanding of the diversity that's alive within the ecosystem that is how their world is arranged and the intimate knowledge and respect that our ancestors would have had to have in order to survive in order to know what would to make a spear for one of these warrior women making a spear what would to make that out of what way to hunt and to preserve or eat meet what way to forage for the spring greens that we're in right now in in the hungry gap as a grower you realize that 
you might have been waiting a long time for your spring greens to show up and the nettles begin to really flourish or the wild garlic and what other spring greens there might have been. But in between in that period, as I am running out of my winter stores of preserved foods, the the gap that would have been filled there must have been meat and maybe milk as the things that were still plentiful in the springtime when maybe other plant forage and stores were becoming less abundant. So in these niches that people could occupy, it seems to make sense to me that that diversity of understanding would have been there in terms of how different people could be different because all around them was the difference of the different spirit world, the different cultural connection and story and even the wealth of the land and what was considered resources. And I suppose I I, I am looking back at that, knowing that there was huge hardship, knowing that there was periodic severe winters, presumably, that there were there was times of skirmish anyway, and that there was a slow erosion coming. But I think that the real relationship with power and what how that changes, I I I think that the earliest hints of it we see in what was happening just across the water in Roman Britain and the power over in order to extract resources from a peripheral place, from a margin place into the core, that really begins this journey of we live in now where all the resources and the means of production are controlled by a central force and all of those resources are extracted into the central places and those on the margins are more peripheral and less uh, able to access resources and I suppose Ireland being in a marginal place, it was never invaded fully by Romans. It took a, a lot later for other, even the early invasions of the Vikings or different peoples that were coming. It took a long time to get all the way into the, the very marginal places. And that just makes me think a lot about the riches that live in the margins and the possibility of understanding our world and how it's arranged and how that could radically shift our own beliefs if we go about rearranging it differently.